0: Well, welcome to the Cut for Time podcast here at the Canton United Methodist Church. My name is Pastor Clay. I'm joined by Eric Stearns. And today we're digging into my sermon from Sunday, which was about peace and experiencing peace that is found in Christ and experiencing peace as God gives it through Christ and not fleeting, not conditional, just peace when we need it. And so we're going to talk about what chaos looks like in our lives and how we find peace in the midst of all things. So Let's good. get into it. Sounds good. So there's a lot that I cut. This was a really good. long sermon until it wasn't uh, because just prayer time went forever because there's just all the things going on, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and on the day focused around peace, like that felt strangely appropriate. It
1: totally felt appropriate. Yeah. I've been thinking about that sermon with this friend of mine ever mm-hmm. since. I'm like, I had to... Lift that up during church. Yeah. You know?
0: Yeah. That's such a hard thing to go through. I mean.
1: So, yeah, he's 41. Mm-hmm. Three kids, diagnosed with cancer. Yeah. Great dude. Sure. One of the best people. The only person besides you and my wife that I sit down and have a regular conversation about the Bible.
0: Mm hmm.
1: Today I called him. He was on his way back from a project, and so I called him just on a couple of things. And he goes, I just, I thought about just calling you today just to discuss the Bible, but hmm. ended up not. I'm like, man. Because I'm only, he's only worked at DGR for 18 months, I think. Oh, okay. But to have that close relationship that quickly is pretty cool. Yeah, that's awesome. It's a 95% success rate. Okay. So everything should go fine. There is the five percent that you're just gonna.
0: Oh yeah, absolutely. Be stressed about. Yes,
1: stuff like that shouldn't. Stuff like that shouldn't happen. But correct, correct. especially when it's to people like him. When we're talking about peace and chaotic times, of just like, uh, or like listening at listening to the um, sermon today on my way home. And it's just chaotic at work and at home with Jenna taking on preschool sure. and everything else. Yeah. And just. Listening to the sermon just gave me a sense of peace mm. so thank you, yeah, it's God that's doing it, It's not you, but correct
0: <laughs> yes, absolutely, thank you for thank, thank you for acknowledging that mm-hmm. because that's absolutely right um yeah, yep now that's actually one of the things that I ended up in even in the writing process, cutting um because I really wanted to dive in. Um, you know, we're to to John 14, where Jesus says, "My peace I give you. I don't give it as the world gives." And so, do not let your hearts be troubled, and do not be afraid. But the peace that is outside of the gospel of Jesus Christ is a peace that does not last. Mm-hmm. It is a peace that is fleeting. It is a peace that is conditional. It is a it is a peace that just it's not as it does not have the permanence that the peace that comes from Jesus Christ being a part of our lives and being a part of our world, he doesn't give peace like that. He gives a peace that is lasting and that we can really sink our teeth into and have some hope around. You know, and, and really, like I said, like a, what I did include on Sunday was Paul's words that Jesus Christ gives us a peace that passes understanding, a peace that doesn't make sense. I just think that that is such a powerful thing when we are in the midst of chaos. That just to, 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 to pause and to remember and to know that there is a sense of peace that, that profound mm-hmm. that is available to us, that, that is ours if we'll claim it.
1: Well, and I thought about too, like when things are chaotic in life you go to those people who have always been supportive, who have always mm. been there for you in whatever's going on. But if you think about it, and and so that's what I equate, what, how I feel or how I equate the peace that God gives us is that person is still a person. He's still a fallen, mm-hmm. um, part of a fallen world, right? Yep. So like you said, it that's conditional it's going to go away yeah the only thing that's truly going to be steady and you're always going to be able to rely on is god Mm -hmm. and so i just kind of i don't know i like to compare things to what i under what i know and what i can
0: yeah absolutely absolutely yeah that's a great way of putting that you know like Mm -hmm. there will be a point in time where you know unfortunately this is just the way the world works when you rely on that other person that it's not god for peace there's going to come a time when you guys are both going through something Mm -hmm. and you're just going to have to say, look at each other and say, we're on our own this week, aren't we? Mm -hmm. And let that, and, and have, and have to let that be okay because that's not respectful to the other person going through stuff. Having that larger sense of peace is so important. Well, I had about four different sermon introductions before I settled on the quote from Adam Hamilton. Um, I liked that book quite a bit, um, the uh, not being a silent night um, Mm -hmm. because we do have just these unrealistic expectations of the Christmas story. I mean, this is still the story of a person being born. That person is Jesus, the literal son of God, but it's still a story of a, of a person being born. And that is not a silent activity. Mm -mm. That is a that that's chaos. Especially on the first kid. Yes. Heavens. (laughs) Yes. That's chaos. Like, I, putting myself in the position of Joseph when we had Auden, you know, you don't know what's going on Mm-mm. and they can, the doctors can say words to you, but you're, your brain's not there. That's not happening. Like there, and you're going to freak out over every little thing that happens is, is the, and is that normal? Is that how it's supposed to go? And like the path to where we are in the gospel story, when Jesus is born, it's not been an easy ride, mm-hmm. you know, Mary, by all accounts, should not be pregnant. Joseph, by all accounts, should not have stayed with her. Like, yikes, you know? And then there's no room at the inn. There's the decree of this census, and everyone has to go to their ancestral homes, and so they have to travel quite a distance from Nazareth, which is on the north shore of the Sea of Galilee, all the way down to Jerusalem. Like, it's not an easy story. It's not a peaceful story. It's it's chaos. Mm-hmm. You know, and so I, I like Adam Hamilton naming and just, you know, that, that whole entire series is just so good. Watch this space. It might come back around to us. We'll mm-hmm. see what happens. There are just chaotic moments in our lives and there can be a sense of peace in the midst of those things. Right. There, there is a sense of peace in the gospel story. Like I can just imagine a moment after Jesus is born. Everything has calmed down. I'm just—I just imagine Mary and Joseph looking at each other and saying, "We did this. Like we're gonna do this."
1: Listen, I was just thinking about, you know, and I don't know what everyone's birth stories of their children are different and have different experiences. But yeah, so with Avanel, the first kid, um, it was extremely. The whole thing is chaotic. But think about that too. Like, we get the comfort of technology and yes. electricity and temperature control yeah. and doctors and yes. nurses and epidurals and all of I the mean, things that Mary would yeah. have never had. Oh, absolutely. Right? Yeah. But then, so you go through all that chaos. The baby comes out, do the cord thing, whatever. The, I just remember the sense of peace after the baby was all cleaned up and handed back, handed to Jenna for the first time. And the baby could just lay with Jenna. Like there's nothing that can describe that. Correct. Sense of peace. Correct. And to say that, yeah, to say that God's not a part of that, it's not a part of this discussion, but he's totally there in that moment. Oh yeah. And no matter how many kids you have, that experience is unique with all of them,
0: Mm -hmm.
1: but just equally as power and, and just as equally powerful the first time
0: yes as both of us sitting here dads of three yeah I can affirm that Mm -hmm. yeah that's just so I mean it's just so interesting how they can be so different right from the start you know Mm -hmm. because Auden was fine but he wasn't you know Simon was born and he was born hungry and he nursed for 45 minutes like just just was he was born hungry Mm -hmm. and just you know he couldn't get enough and we had to just pull him off to get him up to you know to get us out of the delivery room and up to our normal room, and he was not happy mm-hmm. the entire time. So mm-hmm. and then Emmeline was just an entirely different thing. And like the kind of the almost crazy thing about Simon being born is he was born at six sixteen, and we both in the morning, and we both have alarms set for six fifteen. Mm. And so I very nearly missed the birth of Simon because I was t- t- turning off our stupid cell phone alarms. <laughs> but I turned around and I got him silenced and I turned around and there he was. I was just like, Oh, Hey buddy. You know? Mm -hmm. So (laughs) yeah. Yeah. But you're absolutely right. There is just such an overwhelming piece of that process being done and everyone being okay. And yeah,
1: you got to think that that's what it was like for Mary too.
0: Oh yeah. Yes. Yes. Even in less than ideal circumstances, absolutely. hmm Yeah. Yeah.
1: so, you know, we talk about um, how it's weird that Jesus came as a baby. hmm But when we're talking about the sense, you know, peace and the peace that God provides, you know, we talk about at birth, how much, pe- you know, the peace that comes after the baby's born. Right. But how about like when, as a parent... When you're holding your sleeping baby for the first time.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: Is there anything... Is, the, is there any better experience as a parent than holding a, your sleeping child? No. Nope. Except for at 3 in the morning when you just want them to go to sleep. <laughs>
0: Correct. <laughs> Correct. Yeah, I am absolutely not. Yeah. Yep. When Auden was born in 16, and so it was during the Chicago Cubs great run to the World Series... Mm. And like the night that he was born, we sat in our, in our, in our hospital room, we watched a baseball game together. I just, I held him the entire time. I mean, unless I couldn't cause he was eating, but I held him the entire time and we just sat and watched baseball. And I just think that that's one of the best things in, in life, mm-hmm. you know,
1: Everett was born during, um, around Thanksgiving time. Ah. So that's when, uh. Um, all of the like the bahamas classics for college basketball happened so he and i got to sit and watch college basketball there you go Mm -hmm. or hey oliver was born during covid Mm. so jen and i got two days in the hospital by ourselves with the baby which was awesome
0: yep yep Emily was the same way yeah Mm -hmm. it was just you and your support person and that was that was it no yeah yeah Simon was born the night of the of the tornado in um, Sioux Falls.
1: There's just some peace about having babies, Mm-hmm. even though it's extremely chaotic. Yes, the whole time and still is.
0: Hmm. So maybe God's plan wasn't so crazy after all, is What right? we're saying. I think so. Yeah, I can buy that. Mm. I just think that there are so many layers to the story of just of 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 just how the chaos can just, could, have, could have just reigned supreme. I mean, Mary is so young, and so... I, I can't imagine not being terrified. You know, even if the angel starts by saying, hey, God has found favor with you, this is going to be good news. You're going to have a baby. Those things don't necessarily match. Mm-hmm. You know, and Mary is just so just accepts it with such grace and just such this, you know, like I said, Sunday, with just so much peace. I mean, how can that possibly be? I mean, I would freak out. And then Joseph comes and Mary tells him this story of hey, God said it's God's doing and it's not. That I've you know been unfaithful or messed around or anything like that, would you have bought it? You know,
1: mm-hmm.
0: that's a it's a it's a big question. Would you have understood or would you have would you have stood by Mary in those instances, and 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 been at peace with that decision? And it seems like for Mary and Joseph they were at peace with that decision, and I just think that that's such a just such a profound part of the story that we overlook, mm-hmm. you know, cause it's just the, we, we take it on face value sometimes. And I know I'm guilty of just not thinking deep enough about it, but yet there is this real sense that this could have gone completely sideways.
1: Mm-hmm. But I do like how you said, um, is John just kind of paraphrasing the conversation mm-hmm. or was there a time where right. Mary did freak out?
0: Right. The way that my preaching professor always said that in seminary was that Luke has the mom stories that only moms can tell. Mm -hmm. But like we don't have the story of like it's 2.30 in the morning and Mary is being, you know, kicked in the ribs by her child and just wants to lay down and sleep. And Elizabeth's in the exact same station because she's just as pregnant as Mary is. Was there a 2.30 in the morning conversation where, you know, Mary and Elizabeth commiserated together of of being Mm -hmm. pregnant and just, you know what is this going to mean and how is this going to work and how are you know i can just envision that being absolutely a part of the conversation
1: they're still people
0: exactly yes that yes they are still people Mm-hmm. yeah
1: no matter how great a person you are you're still going to have those moments
0: mm-hmm. yes
1: because don't we i mean we believe that jesus is the only one who who is perfect right so wouldn't that mean that mary was imperfect yep and would have yeah Anger and fear. Oh, and yeah. All of that.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. Not for the podcast, but that's one of the differences between us and the Roman Catholics is they believe that, you know, Mary was without sin, but, mm. you know, that's... Ah, that makes sense.
1: Yes. Yep. Learning something new every day.
0: Uh-huh. Good job, Clay. They also believe in the perpetual virginity of Mary, despite the fact that there are brothers of Jesus named in the gospel. How's yeah. that work? Exactly.
1: So they were all from God, too?
0: Ah, that's a good question. Yeah. Really? Yes. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know if it's all Roman Catholics that believe that, but I definitely know that the perpetual virginity of Mary is a belief of the Catholic Church. Can't be true. No, absolutely cannot. Like, proven by the Bible cannot be true. Mm Mm-hmm. Yeah. That seems odd. Uh Uh-huh. There are even some that take their Marian devotion so far as to say that she was born of a virgin as well, like that Mary's mother was a virgin. And yeah, there are people that will go that far.
1: Now, aren't you it's just like projecting at that point?
0: A little bit. little bit, yes. Hmm. Yeah. That's why I'm not a Catholic. That's one, one of many reasons why I'm not a Catholic is, is Marian devotion. I just, I, I, I don't... I don't see that from the scriptures. I don't understand where it comes from. Yeah. She was just a person. Mm -hmm. She was, you know, she was the God bearer, but she was still just a person.
1: And that doesn't have to be a bad thing. No. Like Paul was just a person. Exactly. Yes. Peter was just a person. Yes.
0: They were all just people. And Mm -hmm. God used them in mighty and wonderful ways. And, you know, not just a drag us right back to the Peter series, but that's how it works. Mm -hmm. How have you been able to find, because like this whole thing has been about how Mary and Joseph found peace in the midst of these adverse adverse conditions. And like we can draw and have access to the same peace. And so what does that look like for you in life?
1: So when things are chaotic, how do we get through those things? Mm Mm-hmm. Honestly, I think it's the promise that everything's going to work out fine. Mm. I think I did. I tell you this from my grandpa's funeral last week. Maybe this is just the ultimate sense of peace. I'm going to lose it again. But anyway, right before my grandpa passed away, he was sitting with my mom's brother um, and discussing. Well, my grandpa said to my uncle, Bruce, you don't know what to say. It was two days before grandpa died. He goes. You just don't know what to say in this situation, do you? And Bruce goes, "No, I don't." And my grandpa said to Bruce, "Everything's going to be fine." Mm. And just that sense of no matter what we're going through, everything's going to be fine is is what keeps you going. Yeah. You know, I think, and I have a very—I've been blessed with a very level head, and I don't get too high or too low or sure anything like that. Um, that helps a lot too. Yeah. Um, And I think because of that, it allows me to kind of help, you know, if if things are going crazy at the house or in the family or something, it kind of helps Jenna and the kids get through things because they're a little more emotional than I am. Sure. But but yeah, just that story just like summed it up for me perfectly of Bruce and Grandpa sitting and talking and everything's going to be fine. That was really cool. Yeah. That's all you need to know.
0: Yeah. So. That's awesome. How about for you? Yeah. I mean, I think I hold on to a quote, um, ironically, from Adam Hamilton. Um, I'm sure he's not the person that came up with it. But um, he says a lot in sermons, especially when he's talking about chaos and peace and the differences between those things, is that the worst thing is never the last thing. Mm-hmm. You know, I think that that is a phrase that feels cliche, but also the worst thing is never the last thing. Like we're going to go through some hard stuff, but because we believe in the resurrection of our bodies, that's not the last thing. And I just think that there are things that we go through and there are definitely like, I, I can get overwhelmed by the chaotic things. Mm-hmm. And I'm more of a person that's just going to put my head down and and go forward and not, and tr- do my best not to look back. Mm-hmm. You know, there have definitely been times where it's like, okay, I have in ministry, You know, there was a stretch when I was back in Burke. There was a week and a half period where I had three funerals in 10 days. Mm -hmm. Like between the second and the third one, I was walking home from the funeral home. We lived on the same block as the funeral home. Funeral home, church, our house. I was walking back from the funeral home and Mike called me and said, Hey, this is where we are. Mm -hmm. And like my natural inclination in that moment was just to tell him to, you know, find somebody else, mm-hmm. but you can't do that. That's not how no. that works, no. you know? And so I was able to just, you know, put my head, like I said, just put my head down and, you know, communicate to my wife that said, Hey, this is where we are now. This is the, you know, I have a f- another funeral. I'm going to turn around and do this all again, over uh, all over again in a couple more days. And just getting through that to the point where like, after we were like, I'd gotten back to the church after that third funeral and just the relief of knowing, like I was going to have another funeral eventually. Don't get me wrong. Mm -hmm. That's not, that's just how ministry works, but like getting through that stretch and then just knowing it was over just the release of, you know, just giving thanks to God and saying, I did not get through this on my own power. And I know that. Mm -hmm. And it was truly a time where I felt like God was just giving me a piece to be, you know, to, to check my own emotions at the door and to really fully be present as much as possible for these families. And that's, that's my job. That's my role in the funeral, you know? Mm -hmm. So, but to do that to the point where you're just so taxed and just so done and you just want to sleep and you can't and, or just take a day off and you can't. And it's just... Yeah, that's that's kind of my my thing is I'm, I'm I'm willing to just dig in and grit my teeth and do the things, and but then and just kind of not even realize that we're through it until we're through it, and just look back and say, that's God, mm-hmm. that's God's power in my life, that's the peace that passes understanding, being made known to me. Yeah,
1: you know, and sometimes in those situations where you've got a lot of you know, different tasks ahead of you and you don't know how you're going to get everything done and in a timely manner and be able right. to just be able to do all the things. Yeah. Um, praying for clarity mm. and knowing what the right step is next yes. and to not go down the wrong path. Right. I think is huge. I agree. Cause sometimes, yeah, everyone's in those situations. Where oh yeah,
0: absolutely. And I know, I know that my job is not unique. Mm-hmm. Yeah.
1: What are we doing next week?
0: Yeah, so next week is the continuation of the season of Advent. Um, and we're going to be talking about joy. Uh, really, this, I mean, the first two weeks of Advent are embracing the bleak part of the story. You know, we are looking at a world that is hopeless. You know, in, in when Jesus first was born, like, the world was hopeless. They had been waiting so long for this Messiah, things were going out of control with their religiosity, the, they were ready. Mm hmm they had this hope. And we look at our world sometimes and feels like things are going out of control. Maybe not with religiosity, but things are going out of control. We are looking forward to the fulfillment of our hopes that are found in Jesus. And it can be pretty bleak when you're waiting and things aren't happening how they're supposed to happen. And then, you know, peace. We're looking at this world that's chaotic. Advent 3 is really where things shift in the season. I've, I've, I've always felt that way that it's joy Sunday. We're focusing on the fact that Jesus birth into our world brings us so much joy, just unlimited joy. Mm -hmm. You know, there, what the scripture we're focusing on is the story of the shepherds. Like shepherds are by this point in time, like shepherd is not a glamor job. Mm -hmm. It's not a pretty position to be in. It's not a job that everyone wants. It's what you have to do when you're at the, at your wits end you become a shepherd and the fact that angels appeared to shepherds and that their joy was so abundant that they quit everything and ran to Bethlehem to see what was going on mm-hmm. i mean they felt so much joy in just being included and then not just being included in like you know a mundane thing being included in the story of the birth of Jesus Christ the messiah Mm -hmm. I mean, I think that they would have drawn joy from that for their entire rest of their lives. And the fact that God is a part of our lives and invites us to be a part of the story by us becoming the the Mm storytellers. We get to tell the story. How can we not find joy in proclaiming Jesus and all that Jesus means to us? Right. You know, finding that sense of joy in... You know, the shepherds, you know, the shepherds told Mary and Joseph about everything that happened, and then they go back to where they're from rejoicing, and we are in that same position. Yes, things are bleak. Yes, things are chaotic, but yet things are joyous mm-hmm. because Jesus is born. Oh.
1: So Cool. Yeah. Well, thanks for joining us on this week's Cut for Time podcast. Join us again next week here in church, in person, online, or for the podcast next week.
0: Thanks for listening to our Cut for Time conversation. Join us for worship in person or on Facebook Live Sundays at 10 o'clock Central Time. And now go in peace and serve the Lord.